Hey, welcome to another episode of Ruthless Hoops. This is Danny. Hey, this is Alex. All right, you guys, we got a. This is a big pod. We're back where we were last year with uh, Cleveland up three one in the finals. Nah, Golden State's up three one. Ah shit! Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that would be weird if Cleveland was up three one. So we got to this point by uh, vastly different means than last year, though. Yeah. Last last year it was, uh, you know, Golden State took game four. They were up 3-1, but they lost Draymond. Right. This this one, Draymond will be playing. Cleveland won the last game in dominating fashion. Yeah. I mean, they hit... An incredible amount of shots. 53% from three is crazy. I think it was, their final was, they were like, what was it, 25 for 43? Yeah, I think it was 24 or 25. And what was the previous finals record? 19? Yeah. I think they had it but in the end of the third quarter, early fourth. Yeah, it was wild. I mean, just that level of accuracy. And even on a lot of those shots where Kyrie was falling down, uh, which were, I mean, he really didn't have a reason to fall down on any of those. But he was still making them, which was astonishing. Yeah, and he, even D. Will hit a three, which was the most yeah. astonishing thing. Yeah, I saw a, a stat today that the Cavs are 13-0 and 0 when D. Will scores at least one point. Huh. Well, that's a good stat. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe Golden State should just shell out and defend D. Will next game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think a regression to the mean is about due for him. I think uh, we're going to see D. Will maybe a little better than he was in games ones and one and two and three, but I wouldn't imagine that we see him playing as competent as he was this last game. But I will yeah. give credit to a lot of the Cavs uh, rotation players. Like, J.R. Smith was obviously hitting crazy shots. He hit, like, that 30-footer, which right. was just insane. Uh, Corver was playing great. And they got really good rotation. Shumpert was playing very well. Right. And last time we spoke was after Game 2, and they were heading home. And I know that's one thing we touched over is Cleveland role players would probably play better at home. They couldn't play much worse than they played in games one and two. Yeah, and then they played terrible in game three. They really did. But then game four, it seems like they finally come back. Yeah, terrible in game three, but not terrible like zero points like in games one and two. At least they had some contributions. Sure. Everybody... Let's talk about that game three, though. I think that was the best game I've watched this year. Oh, yeah, hands down. That was like a That was a classic game. Um, probably the best game of the last couple playoffs besides, obviously, Game 7 of the finals last year. Yeah, I mean, I I don't uh, I don't doubt that. It was probably the most exciting game since the Ray Allen game. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. And, uh, uh, you know, if Golden State finishes this job, uh, that's the last minute of Game 3, that's going to be Durant's, his, uh, his, his moment. Yeah, yeah, for this for this finals, definitely. I think that's where it's. I mean, barring another insane game, I, that's that's thus far. That's the 
defining defining moment? Well, you know, and possibly even on a deeper level, I mean, uh, if Golden State finishes off the series, you know, they become a dynasty, you know, win one or two more, however many more Durant wins in his personal career. If he, uh, you know, if he keeps, if he stays at this level, basically LeBron had this moment against Detroit when he took Cleveland to the finals, scoring the, uh, the last 25 points. That's when people talk about, you know, he went from very, very, very elite player to, you know, he's kind of figured it out. Yeah. Like Matrix. Wasn't, I mean, that kind of got overshadowed. Like, I don't feel, I don't feel like when people look at LeBron James's career, that series in particular, I mean, like, obviously that was an incredible series and he played incredibly well. But I don't feel like that resonates as much in the in like the casual fan's mind when they think about LeBron James. Right. I, also I think that's kind of like a unfortunate a early career with that too. Yeah, I think it's also kind of an unfortunate side effect of doing things like like the the press conference and going to Cleveland with the letter and stuff like that. Like they're gonna remember all of this other stuff. And it's going to have the same level of importance because it was turned into like a spectacle. And the spectacle is what stays in people's minds more than anything else. So I feel like that those two moments, more so than anything else, are going to define timelines in his career as opposed to in-game performances. Which is unfortunate because he's an incredible player. But I feel like that's just the way that history is written. Is with right. spectacle. I'm actually not really talking about from the fans' perspective. I'm actually more talking about the players' mentality for when they went out and conquered, you know, the person that's been or team that's been bettering them. And yeah. They did it in spectacular winning fashion. I mean, I can't say. I mean, I can't speak to the history or like about what the players are thinking. But and I wouldn't. I would. I wonder after this. So even if Cleveland wins, like take this hypothetical. If Cleveland wins, I mean, there's still going to be teams out there that want to contend, that are going to build contenders and try and build, like, equivalent super teams. Like, there's three or four teams in the league that could do it with just a few more acquisitions. And I think we're going to see that, and I think we're going to see more of that in the next few years. So I don't know if I would go as far to say that I, that even looking forward, it would be Kevin Durant's defining moment because I think there's going to be teams that will be put together that pound for pound will probably be more uh, more well-constructed than Cleveland. Yeah. But no matter what, if he, has, you know, if he ends up winning more than one ring, you know, or just he already has a storied career. I mean, he's a sure. MVP scoring champ. But... This is going to be, you know, his first real moment of, you know, greatness under the really bright lights against elite competition, no matter what. I mean, he's done some really good things, but, you know, to come out, hit the three in LeBron's face. Yeah. You know, come back, do a ridiculous comeback. I mean, that's, you know, that's the kind of stuff, you know, I mean, Carmelo's a 30-point-per-game player, you know, he's done a lot of great stuff, but... He doesn't have any moments like this. This is what separates, you know, the ultra talented from the all timers, the guys that can, you know, have these kind of moments on the biggest stage against the best players. 
Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of the things that's kind of tragic about Carmelo's career thus far. And, I mean, who knows how much is even left in it with the shoulder problems. But, I, I mean, the talent was there, and it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like it was as much of a priority to him. Uh, you no, know. I think I think Act Three for Carmelo in Portland is all going to come together yeah. next year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if Portland can figure out what to do with that atrocious uh, <laughs> contract for uh, what's his, the guy they got from Boston, what's his name? So, uh, uh, how the hell am I forgetting this? Turner. Yeah, Evan Turner. Thank you. I mean that thing's an albatross around their neck. But anyway, we're getting we're getting way off topic here. So yeah. <clears throat> So Golden State with the crazy game three comeback. Uh, I I assumed it was over. I said it on pod two. Cleveland wins game three or uh, Golden State wins game three. Cleveland's getting swept. I think pretty much everyone agreed. Yeah, I I definitely thought so as well. Um, and then game four comes around and Cleveland plays the game of their life. Yeah, I mean, they definitely got got so many shots up that it was it was just something to see. I mean, when you have an entire team that's volume shooting like that, I mean, it's it's really crazy. And what I what I do see a lot in a lot of the conversation, it, there, there's a lot of talk about the ISO ball and Cleveland with the ISO. And I don't think that's what they were doing. That wasn't the key to victory in Game 4. Like, they were very much moving the ball. And you saw a lot of second and third passes, finding the open guys, finding the guys out on the perimeter, a lot of great offensive rebounds. And that was really where I thought that they shined the most. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the team played well. But they needed the individual. The individual greatness of um, Kyrie and LeBron. Yeah. Kyrie now has done this in you know enough finals games where you say what you want about him, you know, on a regular basis. Uh, you know, I know you have had your doubts about him. Even you told me during the last game, you know, Kyrie, you know, he's 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 special, you know. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, he is almost certainly the best around the rim finisher. Oh, he's a magician. It's crazy. I mean, he makes Isaiah Thomas look like a schmuck, the way that he can finish around the rim. Like He's been making Clay Thompson look like he can't defend. Yeah, which is crazy. And Clay Thompson is an all-time defender. Yeah. And I think this was in Kyrie in games one and two, but I think I think he was just... He was getting so bodied because he was getting no other help. You know, none of his teammates were hitting shots. I just... You know, as you know, as great a ball handler and finisher as he is, if he's getting, you know, no help to get sucked off, I mean, he's two, three guys. You know, even he can't do anything, which makes you, that's like the thing I must worry or wonder about about Game Five. Is uh, I don't think the role players are going to play near as good in Game Four. Obviously, are they going to play as bad as they did in Games One and Two? I think it falls somewhere in between. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, I mean, obviously, J.R. Smith is one of the streakiest shooters in the NBA. 
And it's not like he's been putting up like historic points, but he's been hitting the 30-footer as an example. He's been hitting a lot of crazy shots this game and a little bit of the of game three. Um, yeah, he had some good shots in game three. I, I think again we'll see we'll see that cycle out a little bit, and I think he's going to get some looks, and I don't think they're going to fall again. I think it's going to be more. He'll probably make one or two, you know, but he'll be better than in games one and two, but. I don't. I don't see any kind of crazy thirty footers going in in Oracle or anything like that. Right. You know, and they they need him because I I'm, I don't think Kyrie and LeBron can play better in Game Five than they played in Games Three and Four. I mean, they played perfect Game Three and they still lost. Yeah, definitely. I I, I think that like that was why we focused on that so much in the last pod, <clears throat> without even knowing how well those two were going to play in Game Three. Uh, it's not, it's not enough for two people to win championships. Like it's just not enough. And if your role players, when they show up and you win, they have to show up every time. And uh, I mean, that's if there's any, 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 any remote chance in hell that Cleveland's going to pull this off. I mean, it would have they would have to be the greatest bench of all time. Oh, there is there is actually a wild card. <laughs> One person we haven't mentioned on Cleveland yet, uh, Kevin Love. Yeah, right. He's been yeah. playing very well all series. Scored a lot in the games they lost. They didn't score as much in his last two games, but playing very well. He's, he had six steals in game three. Six steals. He has yeah, some playing, solid he's blocks. Hard. He's playing hard and he's playing well. I was a I was a skeptic after last year's finals, and I thought they should trade him, even though they won. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Benched. He played a good game seven, but they kind of Golden State took him out of the series. I, I didn't think. Uh, I didn't think with the way he matched up against Golden State, they'd have a chance, especially after adding Durant. But he's proven me wrong. You told me that I should just believe and love. You know that he's better than he's played, and uh, uh, he's been playing great. I, I actually, I fully expect him to play well uh, the rest of the series, however long that is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so. Because he can score, you know, love it. You know, he has a thirty-point game in him somewhere. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's the that's the great thing about Kevin Love. And I'm in, by no means like a Kevin Love homer or anything like that. But he, I mean, he has a great shot, and he can rebound when he when he gets in there. Uh, I and one of the things uh, he got a lot of shit last last season. But I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was sick very sick in the offseason and had lost a significant amount of weight. And then going into that season, it seemed like he was just trying to get back to his previous form. And he did wasn't really able to do it. And I feel like this was the first season, you know, since he moved to Cleveland and was able to come back from that, that he was actually, like, back to his former self. That's a good point. And he was coming back from injury last year as well, you know, pretty gnarly injury. Yeah, maybe uh, that was. So he's he's accepted now. I mean, it's hard coming on these teams, especially you know if you're Kevin Love, you come from being the man in Minnesota. You know, he kind of got the boss treatment in Cleveland, uh, pretty much up until this year, even after they won. But I think winning the finals, you know, adds a certain level of confidence. You know, he signed a contract. Kevin Love knows he belongs there. You know, he knows he's a good player. I don't think he's second guessing himself this year the way he was. But you're right too. He does. He physically looks better. Like he's moving around, 
getting steals. He wasn't doing that kind of stuff last year. No, and he wasn't as he wasn't as stocky. He wasn't as like he wasn't as filled out. He looked kind of a little spindly. So I yeah. mean, it's it's great to see. I mean, he's a definitely a high caliber basketball player, and the way that he's been performing is definitely up to par. I mean, the the number of rebounds has been incredible. Yeah. I will say this about that, too. Uh, I believe on the last pod, uh, we were talking about Tristan and uh, how he needs to be engaged. And I feel like Kevin Love, in this last game, while he still played incredible, Tristan was able to get in and get himself going a little more as well, which was very important for him. Because Tristan's another one of those people, I think, he gets lost in the fray. Yeah. Well, yeah, he was key uh, last year. They couldn't have won without him. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, he kind of disappeared in the first couple games. Well, the Draymond was saying they were really making a point of it to uh, cancel Tristan out. So it looks like he figured something out in Cleveland. Now, Tristan, I don't think it's a matter of going home. You know, because the way he plays, I don't know if the home crowd matters that much. You know, he's just a hustle energy guy. Yeah, but he needs to be engaged early on in the games in order to get that hustle going. And I think that's what Cleveland was able to do. I think that's what... Because in, in the first three games, they were almost deferring to their shooters more. And not... You didn't see a lot of, a lot of game even getting around Tristan Thompson. And it seemed like this last game, it was, it was hitting him more. Like the opportunities were there. And I feel like if they want to keep him engaged, that's what they have to do. They have to start, they have to get him involved right off the bat. Right. Another thing I think helped Cleveland, too, is that uh, they were going after in games three and especially four, going after Golden State's uh, weaker defenders a lot more than in games one and two. Basically making the whole team work more on defense, with it, which I think kind of slowed Golden State's own defense down. They were just everywhere those first two games. It looked like it was hard to make an entry pass. Games three and four, I think they had to play a little harder on both ends, especially yeah. running uh, some of the older guy, David West. They were just running him out of the game with pick and rolls. Right. They're going back uh, more to towards going after Curry, which they, I thought was key to them winning the finals last year, was just making Curry tired, running and through you know constant pick and rolls and whatnot. And they kind of went away from that. I thought earlier in the series. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I definitely think they're going to be going after Curry more. Uh, they still don't, they still haven't figured out anything to do with Durant. Like, Durant still had an incredible game. Oh, yeah. And, and he's, you know, he's going to be there. He's going to be there every game. Definitely. And I think, going in back to Oracle, I think you're going to see more engagement from the Golden State role players as well, and you're going to see them maybe play a little more like Game 2 last time they were in Oracle. I think Iguodala especially, although Iguodala played great defense in Game 3. I mean, he had that strip on, on James that was like very much crucial to their victory. Right. Yeah, they really, if they get one splash brother of the two really hot, it's going to make a big difference because they were both cold the last game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, LeBron and Kyrie both played perfect. 
basically what I'm getting to is game five is going to have a very high degree of difficulty for Cleveland. Yeah, I would imagine. And I imagine Oracle is going to be pretty off the rails. All and to around. me, though, even though it's, yeah, oh, Oracle is going to be insane. Yeah. Um, you know, even though, as we touched on, it's different series, we got the 3-1 in different ways. Durant's involved this year. So lots of differences. Fact is, you hear it after last finals all year, 3-1, 3-1, 3-1, the Halloween decorations at LeBron's and whatnot. I'm sure it's on both teams' minds. Yeah. Uh, to me, to me, the way I think it impacts the game, I think either Golden State comes out and they're, they're 3-1, they put their foot to the throats of Cleveland, you know, and use it as motivation. There's a very good chance that'll happen. But I think if Cleveland keeps it close towards the end of Game 3, that kind of 3-1 in the back of the mind works in Cleveland's favor. Golden State might have a bit of a, you know, here we go again type of thing. And Durant also lost a 3-1 series last year. Yeah, that, <laughs> I mean, that's true. That's, that's, that's very true. Um, yeah, I think that it's... I mean, I would be... Absolutely flabbergasted if Golden State blows blows a, a three nothing lead in this series. I mean, I, don't, I haven't looked at the the chances of it percentage wise, but I would imagine that it's an outlier. Um, oh yeah, I mean it's never happened. Yeah, no. Team have been anointing, including me. You know, it's possibly the best team ever if they could close out a game two days ago. Right. But if you take it a game at a time, you know, this is game five, I think is massively in Golden State's favor. But if they blow it, I mean, to me, it's almost even money. I think I think Golden State, are, they're in trouble if they blow game five. Yeah, I mean... Not, not even money. I still, you know, they could easily go and win in Cleveland in game six. They're just so stocked, you know. But I mean, it becomes a it becomes very interesting if Cleveland can somehow take this game five. I think that there's a I mean, so obviously the last two games, I mean the the whole series, LeBron James has played amazing. Like I mean, he's averaging essentially a triple double. It's incredible. Uh, the last two games, especially the amount of effort that those Cleveland players are having to exert each time that they go up and down the floor is, to me, almost unsustainable. And I don't know that Cleveland's non-LeBron players will be able to keep... I mean, Kyrie even, like, how long, how long can you keep this up? Like, how long will he be able to score almost 40 points in a game? I mean, it's... It, it really takes a toll on you, and I'm I'm don't it, it would just be one of the most incredible things I've ever seen if they're able to pull it off for even two more games. To be honest, yeah, uh, I kind of agree and disagree there. I do think Cleveland is they're definitely taxing themselves, working hard in these games. But at the same time, I think uh, these finals are just so spread out. Yeah. That there's time to rest and recover. 
And these guys are in pretty peak condition. When Lou became coach last year, that's what he said. Like, you guys need to get your ass into shape so you can keep playing. I think, if anything, last year Cleveland would have got more tired because they played some tough series, you know, against Toronto and whatnot, as opposed to this year. They lost, you know, one game on the way. Yeah, I mean, I'm really more, more just focused on the minutes. I mean, I'm not sure I don't have it in front of me. But, I mean, LeBron James pretty much has played all of every game. They were negative 12 plus minus, like, for the two minutes that he was out. Oh, yeah. When he goes out, it's just a and then And Kyrie's been in most of the games as well. I mean, D. Will has played very, very minimally coming into his role. And last year, they still had Dellavedova. So when Kyrie was on the bench, they still had somebody who was, I mean, one of the, the best garbage time players, like garbage garbage men players, you know, in the last 10 years of basketball. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Well, and even last game, you know, Cleveland shattering the three-point record, you know, you know, scoring however many points they ended up with, uh, I didn't feel confident that they were for sure going to win the game until there was about two and a half minutes left. Right. A 20-point lead against Golden State doesn't feel like a 20-point lead until the... <laughs> Till their zeros on the clock or bench players are put in the game. Yeah, and I mean, I, I definitely agree. It, uh, I don't think any lead is safe. And uh, Game 3 kind of proved that as well. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Oh yeah, it looked like, you know, it's pretty much a done deal. And you, it's happened so fast, you don't even, uh, you know, 3's a half quicker than 2's. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what it was. And their defense, you know, they force a turnover, get a quick layup, score three, score three, you know, all of a sudden, they can score instantaneous. Yeah, I mean, once they can establish that pace, there's really, there's no stopping them. That's when they become the juggernaut. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, what's your, uh, what's your margin of victory and winner for game five prediction? I'm just gonna I'm gonna carry over my game four prediction. I think, or my game three prediction. Excuse me. I think it'll probably be within within three points going into halftime, and then I I have Golden State winning by ten total. I think that's how they'll close it out. It seems I would be I would imagine if I was trying to put myself in Kevin Durant or Steph Curry or Clay Thompson or Draymond Green's shoes, there, there's or Andre Iguodala, any any of the players that are, were there from last year, I think that the importance of not letting it go to six is overwhelming for them, and not because I don't, they, you know, I wouldn't think that they don't think that they could win in six or seven. But just because of what happened last year, like kind of like what you were saying, like it's going to be in the back of their minds, and I think that they're really just going to just want to do it just just to kind of save a little face from last year. Yeah, and not only is it in the back of Golden State minds, it's in the front of Cleveland's mind. I mean, talk about motivation, you know, believing you can do hard things. You just need to look back to what you did against your same opponent one year ago. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I mean. <clears throat> but uh yeah i uh when we made our playoff predictions it was a cheap but my prediction was uh 
Cleveland in seven or Golden State in five. Yeah. Official prediction was Cleveland in seven. But I actually predicted that this would come down to another 3-1 series in Golden State. I can't give myself too much credit because I definitely would not have predicted it would happen the way it did. Yeah, no, I and I definitely had this going five games. Uh, yeah, yeah, you did. 16-0 and is a tall order. That's why it's never been done before. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my honest prediction for game five, I, pr- I probably got the Warriors winning by, uh, I'm going to go with seven. Yeah. Because I think if it's within five, I think Cleveland wins. Really? You think, think they close State it out? Wins. I think Golden State wins, you know, seven, eight plus points. Interesting. I, I think it's advantage Cleveland in a close game, especially with, with the way that um, Kyrie and LeBron are attacking the rim, you know, shooting efficiently. You can go to those guys. But, but, even, uh, but if you have a breakdown like in game three, I mean, that would completely... I mean, because well, they scored. What was that? What was seven or eight points? You know. Yeah, but I mean, they were down by how many going into the fourth quarter? It's like twelve or something. They had to go on like a thirteen-zero run. Yeah, yeah. I, I think my reason for saying this, the right, you are right about game three. But like I was saying, I, I think if it's an extremely close game, that three-one starts creeping in. I think the doubt sets in. I just don't see Golden State winning a final shot. If they do, it's Durant. Yeah, it's Durant. I mean, they've already won on the final shot, essentially. Um, and I would think, like with a team, like as, as well as as well as Cleveland shooters have been, uh, other than Kyrie and LeBron, who and none of those, like none of the new additions, like Corver's always been a great three point shooter, but I can't think of any major, major, major game where Kyle Corver hit a three to win it. No, and he's not getting the ball this time. <laughs> yeah, he's not getting the ball. J.R. Smith, I wouldn't trust him with the last shot. J.R. Smith hit some buzzer beaters, of course, some fantastic ones, but he's so streaky. I would never, I would never want it. I would. Kevin Love would get a shot. Get a shot, no matter what's going on, aside from maybe a a kick out to an open Love. Yeah, I mean so Kyrie. I, Kyrie missed that. Kyrie missed the a very important three at the end of game three as well. Off the front of the rim, that yeah, would have, that would have sealed it for him. Shot. Yeah, it was a terrible shot. If it comes down to that, and I hope it does come to that. How exciting would that be? Yeah, yeah, it'd be great. Um, Either side of the ball, you know. Yeah, shot. that's what I'm saying. I, I I was glad that game three took place the way that it did, the way that it went down, because all I had really wanted from the beginning was just a compelling game. Yeah. Yeah, and no matter what happens, at least these games three and four, they made it an interesting series. They showed the Cleveland can play with Golden State. The sweep would have just been a bad look, left a bad taste. Yeah, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, people that are cool with it going to another game, as I am as well. The more basketball, the better. Yeah, but if Golden State loses this, I got Cleveland winning game six and seven. So you're not really making a prediction. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm predicting Golden State to win game five. 
But I'm just telling you, if that event takes place, the Cleveland wins Game Five. Yeah. I am definitely going to stick, even if Golden State loses this next game. I am still going to pick Golden State to win this series. Kind of just because of what I was mentioning earlier with the, <clears throat> the just the level of play that a lot of the role players on Cleveland would have to maintain in order for them to stay in it, and and I just I don't think that they have it in them. Uh, yeah, Game Five is going to be a. Let's just say if Cleveland wins Game Five, they'll earn the victory. So they're going to be getting the wrath of Golden State. Unless they get assistance from the rest. But yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> we see. decided to avoid that topic for this podcast. Yeah, it's, I actually want to talk about the Draymond. Um, there's a lot of really good, uh, very established publications that are writing about that whole officiating mess. And if anybody wants to delve into that, <clears throat> feel free to go and check out essentially any of the major sports networks because they'll be it'll be a topic of discussion for quite some time and yeah and me and Alex we, we made it a conscious choice to avoid this topic in this podcast because we both have uh, some similar and some very different thoughts on uh, the refereeing that transpired in game five maybe we'll revisit it after the season yeah maybe sometime down the road here <laughs> There's a, there's enough talk about that after and uh, exactly everyone can draw their own conclusions from that. But I just wanted to specifically talk about the moment uh, that it seemed Draymond was getting ejected, or he was ejected. Yeah. Now he was ejected. Um, Cleveland fans, you know, obviously, you know, booing the shit out of him. Draymond waving his arms, taking it in. It was a surreal moment, especially what transpired, you know, him getting suspended for a game of the last finals. Right. Um, so it was weird enough on its own. And then they go resend the original technical on Draymond to keep him in the game after all that. Yeah, it was it was weird. Uh, it, what's really fucking strange about this is this is the second time this year that we've seen something like this happen. <coughs> Uh, this happened with, I can't remember who they were playing, but it was when Boogie oh, Cousins Portland. was, yeah, against Portland. Boogie Cousins in Portland when they got tossed and then they... He left. He that left. Came. He was in the, I think, in the locker room. I think he said he was, like, getting, already getting worked on. Yeah. Yeah, people were booing him. He was, uh, <laughs> he left in disgrace talking shit to fans and whatnot. He came back and he actually dominated the game. I mean, yeah. yeah, he beat the shit out of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that did happen. Yeah, so with the Draymond thing, <clears throat> I did see, and they, uh, Bill Callahan, Bill or Mike or whatever, Callahan, the ref, yeah. he, uh, he made a statement, uh, gave an interview, and said that it was their fault because... Usually when they give the technical, they listen for the player to be announced, the technical to be announced on the PA system. Right. And he said that they weren't paying attention to that. Uh, and that when they, because they gave Draymond Green a common foul on that play and then yeah. teed him up for the flailing. They said that the line of communication got crossed 
when they were issuing that tech. I mean, whether or not you believe that, it's all pretty dubious. Well, you watch the replay. The tech was for sure on Kerr. Yeah, I mean, that's what Kerr I thought even when I was watching it. Turns around and Kerr coming. Kerr got the tech. Draymond even said he heard the refs say Kerr got the tech. Yeah, even when uh, I was watching it in real time, I, 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 was, I commented like, whoa, Kerr needs to calm down. Yeah. You know, the weird thing was the... Um, First, the first technical, I think part of maybe the reason he got confused is the, the personal foul that Draymond had. They easily could have called that a flagrant. Yeah. He hit Shumper in the face. Uh, you know, you never, <laughs> it's hard to judge intent, but he definitely, uh, let's just say Draymond wouldn't mind if Shumpert's face was there. They yeah. Because they easily could have called a flagrant. They ended up getting a personal foul. Kerr gets the tech. The second technical was ridiculous. It was so stupid. I don't think Draymond said anything. I think he just waved his hand at the ref like, you know, the yeah. fuck off sign. Which from Draymond, you know, he might as well give you a hug. I mean, that's nothing. And Draymond. what's crazy about that is that you see so... I mean, one of, the, one of the things that I'll say about LeBron James in this series especially is that he hasn't spent a lot of time... In games three and four, without a doubt, hasn't spent as much time in the backcourt arguing with the refs after every call and he's running, sprinting down the court to get in defensive position right away. And that's a huge change. But if if the, they were handing out technical fouls for people flailing and complaining about calls, the LA Clippers would never get a second of playtime. No. And during the regular season, LeBron James wouldn't either. So I don't I mean it it was I agree with you. It was an asinine call. Totally stupid. Um, the last and the last with the flagrant call, like that should have definitely been a flagrant, and that's why the last, the only thing I'm going to talk about anymore with the fouls. Uh, that's why I thought the call on Kevin Love should have been a flagrant too, because <clears throat> I mean, there you can't you can't. It's hard to truly understand intent, but when you are going for somebody's face like that, I mean, it's very obviously easy to tell whether or not you have contact with the ball or contact with somebody's face. And when you see a double pump uh, where there was one swipe at the ball and then another swipe at the face and then a raking of the hands across the face, that's clearly a flagrant. And that goes for both players in both situations. Like, Draymond clearly raked across the face against Schrumpert, and Love clearly did the, the same thing when Kevin Durant was going up for that, that layup. Right. And let's just say, uh, oh yeah, so many uh, inconsistent calls. Like I said, we won't get into the more deeper-seated uh, uh, backdrop to some of the refing, but uh, let's just say we're both looking forward to uh, some new refs for the next game. Far and away, man. They got <laughs> First off, game uh, an elimination game is no place for a... And Zaljot threw a nut punch and didn't get a flagrant. I mean, this is a slippery slope. What I, what I think is crazy about that play especially is Kyle Korver body slammed him. He suplexed him. And I mean, I know that there's like a height-weight difference there, but if you look at the replay, Kyle Korver wrapped his arms around his the front of Zaza Pachulia like as he was suplexing him and then spun and threw him to the ground. That's how the whole scrum initiated. And there was there should have been a clear call against Korver on that. He locked his hands in front of his. He locked his hands in front of Zaza Pachulia, 
and then you can see the effort in the twist and the drop move. It was a WWF move. Uh, and the refs, not only were they not, um, they're not only were they not stopping, you know, kind of a hostile environment from going down. They're almost provoking it by making people confused. I actually think the players did a good job of taking care of themselves. Like when LeBron and Durant got in that shouting match uh, after the hit, uh, you get Durant. I was looking at Durant. He looked a little. Uh, Shaking almost like that's not, he doesn't like having those kind of confrontations with people. Uh, well, I don't think that I, I think he was probably up, he was came up to him after and actually gave him a, you know gave him a little low slap you know and was like you could tell he was saying something like you're all right man you're all right so I'll give props to LeBron for that and I give props to Draymond I thought he actually handled himself really well considering yeah, what transpired in the game. I'll say this in KD's defense: if I'm in the air as an unprotected shooter, and somebody goes after my head, I would be shaken up as well. Probably for a, a oh, considerable yeah, yeah, amount of time. I wasn't time. trying to whack KD. I just think the whole... Uh, like, I don't think KD was afraid of getting into a, a, a minor argument with LeBron James. I mean, it wasn't like they were getting physical or anything like that. It was mild. Uh, it was really just kind of well, like a waste of time yeah, as far as I was concerned. I don't think I don't think Durant was like afraid LeBron was going to deck him or anything. I just think it was a just a crazy quarter. You didn't really know what was going on. There was other shit going on besides them. Yeah, and it was and a crazy game. There was one point. There was one point. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, Mark Davis, the third ref, was over talking to Kerr, and uh, he, he turned his back on Kerr, and Kerr was still talking to him. And he said something, and Mark Davis turned around and just kind of motioned at him. And Kerr, like, jumped back. Like, he was actually afraid for his, like, well-being. Oh, I didn't see that. It's a funny clip. I recommend checking it out. I was reading an article you sent me that he was voted, like, Mark Davis, the third worst rat yeah. in the league. Players and coaches and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I don't, it's, it, was, it was a bad crew. But anyway... Anyway, it was shoddy. You know, I'll say this. You know, whether uh, whether there was any ill intent from you know any refs, gamblers, league behind them, etc. At least uh, the shit's been put in the spotlight. Uh, the refing situation that is, Cleveland was going to win Game Four no matter what. They still have to win. Games five, six, and seven. I don't expect the refing to be an issue after uh, you know the backlash after this game. They're not going to have this crew in again. Yeah, I mean, um, without any making any statements about certainty or anything like that. Like Cleveland obviously played an incredible game, but <clears throat> I don't. I don't. I would. I would be very, very disappointed if there was anything similar to what we saw in this last game. That that would be truly atrocious for the NBA to allow. Yeah, and I agree. And I think the Draymond thing was funny because when he was being ejected, definitely, no matter what led up to that, someone realized if we eject Draymond again in the finals when Cleveland's down, we're really never hearing the end of it for a non a non a non issue. Yeah. Especially for such a terrible 
Like, it was um, just, a, it was a dumb thing. Uh, I mean, fans were getting ejected. Dante oh, yeah. Jones he, got a technical foul. I mean, it was... Jones got a T on the bench. Yeah. Who knows what he was saying? I mean, Dante Jones, like, we were texting during the game. Dante Jones doesn't really handle himself with any level of decorum or anything like that. He's not a very classy individual. So God only knows what he was saying on the bench. I mean, he's, he's a crass dude. So... And talking to Durant. And talking to Durant. Most of us thought that mother... Yeah. The real MVP was probably involved. So that's, I mean... That was surprising, though. It's, I think it's pretty hard to get a T as a player talking shit on the bench. And Durant was engaged with him, too. It's not like he was yelling to Durant and he was walking away. They were talking shit. Well, I, I think <laughs> the most famous time that a player has been called for a technical foul on the bench was uh, Crawford giving that to Tim Duncan. <laughs> Where all he did was just sit down and like he raised his hands and then he got the, the second tee. I think it was the second tee too and then like kicked him out of the game. Yeah, that was crazy. And to dunk <laughs> of all people. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, um, that's, it's pretty rare though. Dante must have said some ruthless shit to get a tee on the bench. Yeah, it's. But again, I mean. Think about all the shit that's said on the court that the refs can hear. See, and I think that that's a different thing. I think when it's on the court, players are able to kind of get they're they're able to get back a little bit, you know, and then they're like able to do something about it. But Dante Jones has played garbage minutes. Like he's he's a non-factor, you know. He's fucking Dante Jones. Like he doesn't matter in this finals. So there's, I think the refs understood. That even when Dante Jones was in there, there's a very good chance that like Kevin Durant wasn't going to be able to really like do anything about it, you know? Right. So it's one thing for when somebody's like contributing in a positive way and they're talking shit in the heat of the game, but when somebody's just talking shit sitting on the bench, like that's kind of like a, it's a classless thing. I mean, but. It's- it's going down every game, regular season and postseason. They're not saying talking shit off the bench. No, I, I mean, like I said, I don't know what Dante Jones said. I don't know the, the nature of the conversation he was having with KD. But regardless, I don't think it's a. I think it's classless, and I think it's a shitty thing for the league entirely at any point. I think people that are on the bench need to just. Technicals fair for that. Yeah, definitely, man. I think people on the bench should not be influencing the game. I think if Rondo's trying to trip a player, I think if people are getting personal and attacking people that are in the midst of a game, sitting on the bench. When I played Little League Baseball, there was a kid that was on our all-star baseball team for the only for the purpose that he could heckle people at the plate. He didn't play a minute in any of the games. But he just <laughs> shouted at people. And finally, it got to the point where... He got taken off the team because people, parents and stuff, were so disgusted that a team would go to that level. And maybe that instilled some kind of, like, ethical fiber in me regarding this situation. But now I see the same thing. Like, conduct yourself with a little bit of class. Like, you're an NBA player. You're making millions of dollars. There's no need to be barking on the bench. Like, let the fucking players play. If you're going to ride the bench and be a non-factor, ride the bench and be a non-factor. Collect your fucking check. All right. Well, I don't disagree with you that uh, 
if a guy is nonstop popping off the bench and engaging people, maybe at some point or severe technical, you know, if they're across a family line or anything. Uh, just a little surprising. I just haven't seen it before. And it was to a player who was engaging. Probably Dante initiated it, but I don't really know if it was an ongoing thing up until that point or if there had been any warnings or whatnot. It's something you don't see very often. No, Dante yeah, you really don't. Shit. <laughs> yeah. And the fan that got thrown out, the fan is like, I think he paid, he paid like $30,000 for that ticket. Like, what a fucking idiot. You pay $30,000 to insert yourself into something like that, and and you get tossed? Like, what a moron. You know, he's sitting next to LeBron's agent. Yeah. Who, and they, they were saying this in the in-game commentary, LeBron agent, LeBron's agent and his like right-hand man, they're emotionless during the game. So I can only imagine what was going through those two classy individuals that have enough self-respect to allow the players to play the game while this jackass is sitting next to them involving himself in something that really had nothing to do with him. He was a spectator. Yeah, and I've, I called it during the game. I was like, oh, probably some owner's son or something. It turned out he was some uh, high executive with the Cavs' son. It's always these younger, you know white dudes he's probably all coked out you know well he was definitely intoxicated when they walked him off the floor uh he looked like he had the the toddler drunk toddler walk going on well yeah he must have been drunk because uh he wasn't just talking shit to anyone on the warriors he was talking <laughs> shit to david west and matt barnes <laughs> yeah man <laughs> I, I don't know dude, i wouldn't be talking like uh Shit to Matt Barnes and David West of anyone on the Warriors. I mean, Matt Barnes is liable to punch you in the face. He just did. I think he just got cleared of those charges from him and Boogie Cousins when they were in New York earlier in the season. After that, there was a Philadelphia game where they couldn't get that mystery substance off the court, so they had to cancel. They had to postpone the game for the because of court issues. I think one of the only times in NBA history that's ever happened. And so the Boogie Cousins and Matt Barnes go to New York for the night, end up going to this nightclub, end up getting in this giant brawl with these three individuals, like two guys and the guy's wife, one of the guys' wife, and they got arrested. Like, there were actually charges brought up. Yeah, and Barnes beat up a coach who was active at the time at his house. It's true. (laughs) I mean, the dude is not, uh, he's not stable. No. I mean, one of my favorite, just frightening, you know? one of my favorite moments, um, of shittiness, of like savage shittery was when he did the ball fake at Kobe's face mm. on the inbounds pass and Kobe was guarding him and he just faked like he was going to bounce it right off his nose. <laughs> that was, I mean, it was just so like, what a, what a bunch of gall. You know, it takes to do something like that. Yeah, I don't think Barnes has too much going on between the ears. Yeah, he definitely, uh, he's fiery. Yeah, and not if I... Not talking shit to you right next to you. Yeah, right. And Had I, a game or not. And David West, too. David, David West is also a guy that's like, he's not notorious for being, uh, nice, I'll say. <laughs> Yeah, and he was having a terrible game. Right. And so, I mean, fans really, fans are terrible. I think that's where the dream, you know, Draymond was quoted, you know, ragging on Cleveland's fans. Uh, 
I think, uh, I don't know if he would have said that if it wasn't for the, uh, that fan incident. I mean, he was getting booed and whatnot when he got ejected, but that's going to happen anywhere. Yeah, for sure. Also, do you hear them saying, Draymond sucks, Draymond sucks, and he's bobbing his head like he's listening to a beat? Yeah. I mean, but that's, what else are you supposed to do, you know, you can't. I was, I thought it was, uh, I thought he was handling himself well, like I said. It's just a surreal moment. I was thinking about that. How much weird must it be to be in the NBA Finals? Right. Thousands of people chanting, you suck. <laughs> you know, everyone's watching. What else are you going to do but just bob your head? Right. And I mean, especially when you don't actually suck. Like, he's such an incredible player. Like, you know, it's... Yeah, I'm looking else. forward to game five, man. There's yeah. A, even if it ends in five games, these, uh, these last two games... Game three was a classic. Definitely. Uh, one of the best games I've watched uh, ever, really, to be honest. Uh, game four, you know, was a classic for one side of the ball, but just a, a spectacle. I'll yeah. say that. I think it'll forgotten. be it'll be infamous. <laughs> but uh, whether you like it or not, it ha- the intrigue has been added. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the stakes do feel at least a little higher now. Which, in yeah. the end, is positive. You know, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, like I said, maybe uh, maybe at a later time, me and you can delve yeah. into the, the further uh, underlyings of Game 4. But, like I said, I'm uh, expecting the spotlight to be on uh, any nefarious situations the rest of the series. I have to I have to review this Zapruder film uh, six or seven more times before I'm Able to figure out who's committing the foul on the grassy knoll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. I need to review the tapes before I get in a full-fledged uh, recorded discussion with you about this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, man, you got anything else you want to touch on here? Chris Paul going to the Spurs. LeBron going to the Spurs. I'm going to the Spurs. <laughs> yeah, we're all moving to San Antonio. Yeah. Yeah, uh, nah. I mean, there's other topics, but I think we hit. I think we hit the main points of uh, what's going on in these finals, and I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow. I yeah. hope it keeps going. Same here, man. Let's keep this exciting. Yeah, and I think Game Five will be great. I think even if Golden State ends up winning by ten fifteen, it'll. It, I don't think it'll be a blowout from the beginning. Yeah, I hope it, not. It could be though. Golden State's gonna they're gonna be on fire, pissed off with rage. So yeah. I would it could be a forty so. point blowout, to be honest. You know, here's what's weird. So I think I think KD plays better when he gets upset. And I think Clay Thompson plays a little better when he gets upset. But I don't think Curry does. I think Curry gets shaky pretty easy. And I think it kind of affects his shot. Yeah, I knew he was toast after uh, what went down in game six, you know, with uh, him getting ejected and LeBron blocking his shot and kind of menacing to him, you know. That threw his shit off. Yeah, I mean... Curry's the biggest X factor on Golden State. Yeah, I mean, obviously they have the one of the greatest jump shooters, if not argue like uh, 
one of the best catch and shoot guys of all time with Clay Thompson. Um, yeah, I mean he still he still holds the record for most points scored in the first quarter by an individual player. Yeah, in any quarter, what was it forty three or something? That one night that he was just insane. Oh yeah, he was thirty seven. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean it's hard to call a you know great player like Curry an X factor. But I just feel like you pretty much know you're going to get excellence from uh, Durant. Uh, oh, yeah. Sure, LeBron. I see what you're saying. Durant, Durant LeBron, <laughs> Kyrie, Green. Uh, I expect them all to have you know very good games. Yeah, uh, I think Klay Thompson has a, good, has a very good game, too. I think Klay Thompson is feeling a lot of the pressure for how, like we were talking, how we even how we were saying uh, how Kyrie has been kind of like pretty much lighting him up. I think he's going to he's gonna come out real hungry. Yeah, I think Golden State might have to switch up their defense on Kyrie. Uh, I think they're going to change something. Because it's, I mean, it's weird to say, like we were saying, you know, Clay's such a great defender, but he looks uncomfortable against Kyrie right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But if what they players do. step up and hit their shots, they'll be able to do what they did when games one and two, and that's have Clay guard him solidly with a ton of help whenever they can. Dudes are hitting their shots, they can't help as much, and then they might have to think about doing something else. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's very much true. I mean, uh, they've, what they've been having, Curry, they've, Curry's been on J.R. Smith. And if J.R. Smith is hot, that's not a good matchup. And if J.R. Smith is cold, that's perfectly fine. Right, yep, J.R. He's always an X-factor. So, uh, it'll be, it'll yeah, be interesting man, we'll to see. see. And, uh, well, I hope you guys uh, all enjoy the rest of the finals, whether it ends tomorrow or ends this week or later. Yeah. Uh, make sure to hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Rufus Hoops is the handle. Send us an email if you so choose. RuthlessHoops at gmail.com. Uh, for anybody that's listening to us on iTunes, uh, it would really help us out if you could, if you like what you hear, uh, if you can go ahead and give us a few stars and uh, maybe drop us a nice review. It goes a long way for a pretty fresh podcast like this. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'd appreciate that. Uh, all right, yeah, this is Danny. And this is Alex. Signing off.